just really want to thank the the crew that just is so often just loving our kids on a Sunday morning. You know, like this is a place that Ella really loves to be. And these are people that she really loves to be with. And, you know, to have um, crew like this who are reflecting and imitatable example to her of passionate, loving, community-based people who are teaching her things. And yeah, I'm so grateful, Ali. I just appreciate what you put into leading this kid's piece and just the passion you bring to a pursuit of Jesus that you just let flow into you know, leading our kids towards the reality of Jesus and to the people who are spending time doing this. I'm so thankful. And yeah, and in the process of that, I just want to, I just want to pray just for one second, just for our families. And Jesus, we just, we just, we do, we just want you to have your way. We want our hearts to be open to you. And I just I say, you just come and move among families. Yeah, we would just ask for that. I just ask Jesus that you would come and pour something fresh out upon our households, upon our families, in our homes, in our interactions, in the spaces and places where we're in in our everyday. Would we find something awakening that's finding more of you and more of you and more of you? God, would you make our kitchen tables places of transformation, holy places of, of breakthrough and revelation and inspiration and praise and joy? Would you make our lounge rooms places of peace and places of refuge? Would you, would you just come and pour out your spirit upon our families, we ask in the name of Jesus, that you would just let rise up within us a new pursuit and a new desire, a new openness, a new interest. God, would you just come and let your Holy Spirit just be such a nagging presence that's just inviting us in as these little communities in our home, God. Would you just raise up something wonderful in the homes, in the lives of the families who are here, we ask Jesus in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, kids, we love you. That's the truth. And some people who love you immensely are going to shuffle you up. Oh, yes, Ali's on today. Well, then it's a true statement, isn't it? All right. All right, kids, follow, follow Allie. She's got, she's got good, good, good things. And Kate, oh, man. Jeepers. Maybe you guys dial it down a notch today. Don't raise Ella's expectations too high. Yeah. All right. And the seat's opened up. I got one, I got one quick thing before Gaz comes. I was, uh, I was, um, I heard a question this week that just kind of like, you know, sometimes you hear something and it just helps like cut, cut through a little bit. And I heard this question, the person who I heard it from was quoting it. I can't remember who it's from, but it's not, it's not my own, but this is how they, they set it up. They were like, you know, you know, heaven, heaven, you know, like this eternal destination that, you know, we're going to spend the whole of our lives if we're lucky. We're going one way or the other. I'm, I'm still a believer in, in hell, just for the record. I don't know what exactly all that looks like, but I'll just say, I think there is a place. And uh, anyway, so heaven, hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll see you all there. Um, heaven, if it was full of all the things you loved most, like what are the things you love most? Like maybe, you know, I don't know. Grandkids. Grandkids, ice cream sundays, you know, beautiful days, beaches, incredible home, lovely things, your favorite food, your favorite people, your favorite things, your favorite experiences. Like if heaven was full of that, all the things you love most, if heaven was full of it, but Jesus wasn't there, would you still want it? You know, and I think it just kind of like, just kind of like cut through 
it's like helped clarify this motivation to go is what is growing in my life with Jesus enough that he's the biggest want. Yeah, I just, it's just such a wonderful idea that it was like, have I come to experience you or know you or come close to you enough? You know, like I, I would say like in life, I don't want to go anywhere without Leela. Yeah, I really love Leela. I love the journey we've shared. I love the places we've been. And it's like, if you're not there, I don't really want to be there. You know, and it's like, well, maybe that, maybe I'll get to encounter, you know, a season of life without Leela or something, who knows. But it's like, I don't want to be there if Leela's not there. There's something about what I share with Leela that I wouldn't want to be there if she wasn't there. I want to be in it with her. And it's like this idea of heaven and and this reflection on Jesus was like, am I building something with you so close and so enjoyable and so real that if you're not there, I don't want to be there? And I feel like for me that's growing, but I feel like I want to feed that picture. You know, I want to, I want to be sure that that's the case, that, that, that that's what I'm discovering in you is beyond anything. And I was like, I don't think we are those people. I do. But yeah, well, guys, you're one of these people, you know, it's, uh, it's cool to be getting to know you and we're looking forward to hearing a bit of your story this morning and hearing the things, you know, as a deep man coming, the old man. Okay. All right. All right. We'll embrace that. We, we honor wisdom around here. So yeah. Would you? Oh, who's scorekeeping? Yeah. You could be, hey. <laughs> and she's like, don't look over here. All right, okay. We need to recruit some seniors because we've got people on the edge, but no proper seniors. We need some more, we need some more proper seniors around here, don't we? Uh, it doesn't, actually. I know. It's good for the glasses, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I hear you. All right. I'll grab you this one. Oh, you go. You go. You're good. Let me give you this. Thank you. Do, do I need this? Yeah. We knew. We got to wear Oh, okay. I know. All right. Pains you, doesn't it? So, thanks, Brad and Curtis, for giving me the opportunity to do this because this is not my normal gig. I build stuff. Um. So I'm sort of out of my comfort zone, but what I want to do this morning is just share part of a life's journey of 40 years following Christ. And I won't even say that I got saved in 1983. I began to follow Jesus and work out what that looks like, and I'm still trying to figure, figure out what that is. Um, can we just pray first? I just feel God just wants to ignite our hearts. Some of our hearts grow cold, they grow still towards him, they grow busy towards him. And I think he just wants to ignite stuff in our hearts just to follow him deeper and find out who he really is to us, find out who we are. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity. I just ask you, Lord, that your words would come out of my mouth. Lord, that they would be words of life, that they would ignite things, they would begin to form 
a situation in our lives where we begin to want to seek you more, follow you more, find out who you really are, find out how we can be connected to you better. Thank you, Lord. So who's heard of Justified? <laughs> can anyone give me a good... Um, Definition of that. Justified. No one? Okay. Bang on. <clears throat> Justified, declar declared free of guilt, Jesus' finished work, and accepted by faith and confession. So I'm just going to rattle off a few verses that we all know really well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have an everlasting life. And Brad mentioned it before, you know, is there a hell... I believe there is, because that's why Jesus came, to save us from that place. Otherwise, what was the point? Romans 10, 9 to 10. Have you got these up? Yeah, they're, coming. They're, coming up. they're coming. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I started following Jesus when I was 20. I was young. I was impulsive. I was driven to be better. I had a, probably a poor self-image seeking an identity so i just chased things down and i wanted to look over the hill wanted to look around the corner and i got busy doing all those things you know finding who i was but i was trying to find it in my own self um i had to ask myself some questions um recently because i believed all those verses ahead of time that we just read so am I following Jesus because of the ticket to heaven or because I want to know him? And four years ago, I'll, I'll come back to this. Four years ago, I had a, a decision time. Um, friend of Glenn's and Leanne's, Milton, um, we were cycling together and a question got asked and it was, okay, so who is he talking about when he says... Um, you depart from me, you cursed ones. You've prophesied in my name, but I never knew you. Who was he also talking about when he's talking about lukewarm? I would that you would be hot or cold, but not lukewarm, because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And I had to go, is that me? Because you know those first three verses that we read? We can stop there. We can just go, yeah, I'm good to go. I got my ticket. The next question was, did I want to be a follower to avoid the alternative, which is hell? 
And that's a real reason why a lot of people do come to the Lord because they fear going there, so they want to be with Him. And like Brad said, like, do we want to be in heaven if He's not there? I don't. I only want to be where He is. The next question, in spending the time with Him, you org do we organically become like Him? And so in the mornings when we sit there with Him, do we want to become like him? And I believe it's true organically. Like, I've been married for 35 years. Kim and I, we organically have grown together. We say the same things. We do the same things. We like the same things because we spend time just being together. So we can't help if we spend time with Christ and Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, we can't help but become like them. We can't help take on their personalities and their traits because that's just the way it is. So with those two questions, when I had to face that, am I lukewarm, am I going to be spewed out of his mouth, I went, I didn't actually understand the dying to self part. So I was like the brat child, the entitled child, just wanting everything from dad without wanting to form a good relationship with him. I wanted the benefit God. I wanted the God that added to my life, the God that gave me my heart's desires. And, you know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s as a Christian with the prosperity teaching, the grace doctrine, the seeker-friendly churches. So I grew up with all of that. None of that led me to dying to myself. It all led me to what can he give me? How can he benefit my life? How can he improve my life? How can he make my life fun? And so Milton and I, we talked about this word called sanctified or sanctification. Who's heard of that one? Who knows the definition of that one? Curtis? <laughs> it's the process. The process. It's the lifelong process of being, becoming more like him. Yep. Yep. It, it means set apart or declared holy. The process of becoming just like Jesus. So Luke 9.23. And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to follow me, have you got the Amplified? Yep. In brackets, as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests, and take up his cross daily, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow me, <clears throat> believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. Dying because of faith in him. Suffering. We don't like to suffer. We like to just pack all the good things around our lives so that we can avoid any form of suffering. And I was walking with Kim the other day and I said, if we were to measure our lives by a, a, a balance of um, gains or losses, is that accurate? Should we be? Because sometimes in the losses are the best lessons. That's where we learn the most how to become like him. Because didn't he die for us? Didn't he suffer for us? Didn't he go through 
everything for us. So I'm just going to go quickly through these verses. I don't want to spend too much time on them because they're really study verses. You could sit there for hours and just go through each one of them, just sit there and ponder and, and meditate. Romans 12, 1 to 2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. In the King James, it says reasonable service, which is your reasonable service. It's not anything as a high expectation to become a living sacrifice. It's just what we should do. And that was the bit that I didn't get when I started following Jesus. What, I had to die to myself? But, but I like to live. I like to explore things. I like to have things. And I'm not saying God doesn't want us to have all those things. He absolutely does, but he wants them in their correct place. If we chase those things ahead of him, or if we don't have him higher than all of those things that we like to have in our world, we've missed the whole point. Um, Galatians 2.20, uh, I have been crucified with Christ, that is, in him I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in, within me. How fast can we just say that? It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. I've said that a thousand times. But if I look at it, I go, the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adhering to, relying on, and completely trusting in the Son of God, Jesus, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Mark 9:43. This one here I've just condensed on mine. That's got the full version probably. Yeah. If your hand and this is something I had to consider greatly because it was a verse that I struggled with my whole life. I thought, what does it mean cut your hand off, cut your foot off? If your hand causes you to stumble and sin, cut it off. That is remove yourself from the source of temptation. If your foot causes you to stumble and sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to stumble and sin, throw it out. That is, remove yourself from the source of temptation. It would be better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye or one hand or one foot than to have two eyes, two feet and two hands and be thrown into hell where their worm that feeds on the dead does not die and the fire is not put out. What things, and this could be a discussion topic, um, what things should we, you know, does our hand cause us to stumble on and sin? What things does our foot and our eye? Our eye's a big one. You know, the lust of the flesh. What is the lust of the flesh? It's just something that our flesh craves. It could be a thousand different things. Our hand goes to grab it, our foot takes us there, our eye just keeps searching for it, you know. Galatians 5.16 But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek him and be respons responsive to his guidance. 
and then you will certainly not carry out the desires of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. And that our, we're born of flesh. We, we can't help it. Our flesh just automatically craves alternatives to God, I guess, is what we look at. But God made this place too. He wants us to enjoy this place that he made. He just wants to be the shiniest thing. You know, we can have all the shiny things as long as he's the shiniest one. He's the one that supersedes everything else and we understand that everything else comes underneath him. I was in a quiet time yesterday and I felt God say, when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Why didn't he ask him, do you honour me? Or do you respect me? Or do you conform to my desires for your life? Why did he ask, do you love me? And I had to go, because that's the highest thing. If we love him and we know that he loves us, we will do all those other things. We'll honour him, we'll respect him, we'll follow him. We'll die to ourselves and our desires. And then if we truly understand and love him, we will trust him enough to put our flesh and our will on the altar and stay there until the work is finished. We just jump off. It gets a little bit painful. And we go, no, I've had enough of this. I'm just going to jump off. But if we were to stay there and let him actually complete what he started in our lives, like he says... Um, I'm the author and the finisher of your faith. I will complete what I started in your life. And we need to trust that. But sometimes it's going to be painful. Sometimes it's going to hurt. Um, I'll just go back to that verse where it talks about your hand, your feet, and your eye. It talks about there, if your hand causes you to stumble, you cut it off. And... Part of my testimony is God had to do an amputation. Sometimes he will amputate against our will because he cannot leave us in that state. He loves us too much to leave us in that mess. Sometimes he will intervene, you know, against our will. But in the suffering and the discipline, we can get to love him because we know that he loves us too much. What father doesn't, doesn't chastise his child? What child enjoys being you know, punished or spanked or whatever? None of us. But it's good for us. And this is the bit that I want to focus on. Do we realise the cost involved for him to do what he did for us on the cross? We were lost to hell forever, wretched, selfish, and broken, without hope except through the saving grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus. Do we realize the love that he has for us? And I've got some quotes here, but I won't, I won't read them, because what I want to finish on is, if we truly knew the love of God and what Jesus did for us, we would just 
wake up every morning or we, we would go, I can't wait to wake up in the morning and spend time with my God because of who he is. But we don't get it. We don't see it. We spend all of our lives, 40 years, trying to figure it out. You know, like I listened to Brad and talking about Ella, how, you know, he talks, she talks about her dad. She absolutely loves her dad. Your kids love you guys. Your kids love you guys. You, you know, we've all got kids that love us. But do we treat God the Father that way? Because if we did, we'd be going, Dad, I just can't wait to spend time with you. I, I know you love me so much. I just want to spend time with you. And it's not about do's or don'ts or wrongs or rights. It's about relationship. It's about I just crave spending time with you. And I think if we get that bit, everything else will just fall in place. So my journey's been a long one. Um, 40 years following Christ and there's a lot that I got wrong but there's lots that he did despite me that turned out really really good too um, yeah so just want to encourage you just love God he loves us so much and we just need to understand that so thank you yeah, that's some, I mean, if I, if I track with the things, Gaz, that you're moving through, it's like, ah, you know, starting with this idea of um, justified, you know, that you're saved, and then this idea of sanctified, that there's a process and a, an outworking, a, an accomplishing that you stick with. It's like, what's well, this how it's meant to be, right? You know, like 40 years is a long story, but it's like, there's no short story in formation. There's no short story. There's no shortcut. There's no, there's no quick fix. It's, it's not meant to be that way, you know? And it's like, you know, when you talk about the definition of sanctified, being set apart and made holy, you know, I think when that becomes the goal of our following, God, that this life would be set apart to be devoted and dedicated to you, that a holiness would flow from the life that I've been given. And you know, I think you and I are in a bit of a, um, a bit of a tag team this morning. I, I mean, this week, I was just been, the things he's been talking about, I was like, well, we don't, I don't usually talk about these things. This isn't usually the, you know, I, I'm not sure I've ever mentioned the word, you know, hell in church before or, you know, uh, you know, and then you're, you're talking about it here this morning and then, you know, some of the things that, you know, I feel like this week, this is going to be really quick on the back of Gaz. But I feel like, yeah. I feel like God was talking to me about righteousness this week, which is, which is, which is in the, you know, directly in the track of, of what Gas is, is sharing this morning. And, you know, uh, um, you know, when we talk a lot about, like, pursuing God, or, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this verse um, in Matthew, you know, where, where Jesus says to, to Peter, like, you know, get behind me, Satan. You know, you have your eyes fixed on the things 
of man, not the things of God. Or he says, you do not have your eyes fixed on the things of God, but the things of man, and you have become a stumbling block to me. That's a, that's a big statement, you know? And it's like, yeah, so we've been talking, what does it look like to have God's eyes? What, what does it look to have our eyes fixed on God? What does a pursuit of that look like? How does that play out? And I don't know, it, I, I'm not sure if I've ever heard someone emphasize this idea of pursuing righteousness. In fact, like it feels kind of dangerous, you know, because it feels like, oh, you know, isn't that a bit religious? Isn't that a bit like, you know, make it happen yourself? Isn't that a bit striving? Isn't that a bit, you know, like, and we moved on from that. Isn't that like, you know, kind of yesterday's story? But I mean, you know, and then, and then I start encountering it in scriptures and Jesus starts talking about pursue righteousness. I feel personally like God is calling me to a renewed passion for righteousness. And I feel like I didn't come upon that. I feel like there's something in my heart that's going, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. And then, then I start encountering scriptures, you know. I mean, I keep hitting these scriptures that I know, but are, are coming with a, with a new angle. You know, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. I really know the first part of this. But first and most importantly, seek, aim after, strive after his kingdom. And I'm pretty much, if I was quoting this, maybe I would say the second bit, or maybe I'd say, just park it there, skip the next bit and say, and all these things will be given to you also. Like maybe that's how I remember this verse, but it says, but, but first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right and the attitude and character of God and all these things will be given to you also, you know, seek sanctification. You know, it's a big spiritual religious word really, isn't it? Sanctification, but it's like seek the righteousness of God, you know, that we would pursue righteousness. This is not a popular message or idea, you know, but I think we can't edit these things and the gift that they actually are, you know, when, when we seek or aim after, oh, <laughs> welcome. It's so good to walk into church with a bunch of people you don't know and people make a big deal out of it. Come sit down front. Come. There you go. That's it. That's the way. So good to see you guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. Darcy and Layla are doing camp with us for the next two weeks. We introduced, we introduced you before you came, so everybody knew you were coming, so we've all been waiting, so it's good. It's good to see you. Welcome, welcome. Yes, yes. While well, we're talking about righteousness, so you're just in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think, you know, like, you know, when, when you personify this and you begin to put some flesh on the bones of this and, and you begin not to look at this idea of pursuing righteousness as this idea of, like, doing what you have to do, following the rules, but it's like when we pursue the character of God and the way of God and the life of God and we go, that's what I want, that's what I want, because someone has found me and this person who's found me lives a better life than I could ever imagine. His ways are better and he's good and actually he wants something of my life. He wants my life to be lived out the way he would and actually I want to be like him. I want the, his character and his priorities and his ways to be my ways. I don't have to do it. That's not what's happening here. 
My life has been changed by the greatest person I've ever found in my life. And I want to do things his way. I want to be like who he is. I want the days that I live to carry his love and his light and his life. I don't want to rock up to something and be the best brat I can be. I want to piggyback on the back of what, you know, when I was in my 20s, early 20s, the verse that uh, Gaz read this morning, I started praying it. Jesus, that one day I would be able to say, it's no longer Brad who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. It's a long journey. I'm not there, but that prayer is still alive. Jesus, that one day I could stand confidently before my family and say, it's no longer me. This life's been so affected. There is a righteousness that's alive in my life that's not because of me. It's because of someone who I followed after. And I could say I'm so different to who I was. There's no longer my own life. This is the life of Jesus Christ. This is not me. It's too different. And it's like he's a difference maker. But it's like we can partner with it or we can partner with something totally different. And it's like pursuing righteousness is a safe pursuit. That's a safe place. God, your ways, your character, how you would respond, how you would react. You know what? Oh, man, what if, what if in like our family relationships we pursued the righteousness of Jesus Christ? What if we filtered it through that? Ooh, would I speak to Leela that way? Ooh, would I respond to my kids with that attitude? Ooh, Jesus, you got, I need more of you. Come, change me. Oh, we need more Jesus in my house. We need more Jesus in my marriage. We need more Jesus in my parenting. Come, come, come. That this life will be like you. And pursue your righteousness. And not religiously. Not, hey, you don't swear at your partner because you don't swear. But hey, it's like, Jesus, like just righteousness. I want it. I want to put on notice anything but your righteousness. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that we would pursue his kingdom and his righteousness and believe that in that, everything else would take care of itself. We want his kingdom. That's the abundance. That's the peace. That's the joy. That's the love. Do you want his character? Be, pursue righteousness. Don't skip it. All the things come when we go after the things of righteousness. I believe it's the truth. Like, let's renew it. Let's not leave it for the religious people. Let's let the spirit-filled people get a hunger and a joy and a desire for the righteousness and character and morals and standards and ethics of Jesus to come and take root. Well, then we might love our enemies. And, and then let's trust, like what Gaz is saying, I'm 40 years into a journey and I'm a man who stands before you changed. I look back on my story and I go, oh, I was a bit of a dipstick back then. Like I say amen to that, Gaz. I say all the time in 10 years, I'm going to look back on this guy and I'm going to go, oh, Oh my gosh, what was wrong with you? But praise Jesus, that's the process. I'm being changed. I got prayer that I've had since my 20s. Jesus, that I could say, it's no longer I who live, but this life is Christ. Jesus, let your righteousness be my pursuit. Let this life that you have demonstrated be my passion. Like not just that I would do something good, but that the righteousness of Christ would overtake my life, that his way, his character, his morals, his ethics, his response, you know? I mean, could we get passionate about pursuing righteousness? Is that possible? Is it possible? I think it is. Like, could we like, you know, I've never, nobody's ever sold that to me. I'm going to sell that this morning. You want it? You want it? Go after it. 
Go after it and not on your own strength because we know how this gig works. Right? I'm going to try and land this now. But, well, let's read it. Okay, we'll read it. This is a long, I was just reading the first little bit to go, oh, this looks like a long scripture and how people have already sat for a while. So, I wasn't manifesting. I wasn't manifesting. It's okay, everyone. I'm still here. No seizures. <laughs> All right, First John 3. Verse 4 to 10. Let's read it. Everyone who practices sin. Uh, I says, you know, hey, hold on. Strap in, folks. We're talking sin. You know, like just we're using that word in church. I know it's troubling. And um, no one's being condemned. Don't, don't shut down in shame. It's okay. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawness, lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. Ignoring God's law by action or neglect, or by tolerating wrongdoing, by being unrestrained by his commands and his will. You know he appeared in a visible form as a man in order to take away sins. And in him there is absolutely no sin, for he has neither sin nature, nor has he committed sin acts worthy of blame. No one who abides in him who remains united in fellowship with him deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. Why is this saying like this is a fruit of abiding in him that sin is going to vaporize? And if I got a sin problem, I got a fellowship problem. That's what I got. Like, can we see it that way? That if I abide in him and I remain in him, he is going to address the, the sin in my life. He's removed the consequence of it. He's not said, you got to get it right. That's the justified bit that Gaz is talking about. You're justified. You put this before Christ. No condemnation. It's all gone. But it's like, hey, if you have fellowship with him, sin's going to be gone. Well, we need, to, we need to like maybe lean into that a little bit more and go, I'm pursuing the righteousness of Christ that sin would no longer have its hold or its place in life with me because I'm in fellowship with him and it's lost its place. Do you know what? When you are fellowshipping, I mean, test it. Just you road test this in your own existence. Like when you are in the presence of God, dwelling with him, sin loses its desire. You know, every time I go, all right, Jesus, I need to deal with this food thing and lose some weight because Lord knows I do. What? Hey. Celebrate a little more quietly about that. I heard amens around. Um, he's like, Brad, you don't need to focus on food. You just come, just keep getting everything from me. You just come, all the, all the false things fall away. You just, just keep coming, dwelling in me, focus on me, come pull into me, every good thing. And it's, it's true, you know, like, you know, I'm not saying, uh, you know, cake is a sin. Lord bless it. Lord bless it. So I'm just saying. But anyways, 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 no, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm sharing it as a principle to go, you know, when I get focused on him, the good things grow and the rest of it falls away. That's the truth. That's the truth. Anyway, fellowship. I think, I think if we focus on this and go, something's got a hold in my life, and we start to look at that not as a behavioral modification opportunity, but as a fellowship rectification, oh, what am I dwelling in? What am I dwelling in here that's demonstrating its fruit? What do I have fellowship with in my life that I'm giving place to that isn't serving a righteous flow? Like something's here that doesn't belong. Jesus, I'm pressing to your presence. I'm going to come to you. I'm just going to look to resolve the issue. Anyways, 
Uh, no one who abides in him, who remains in fellowship with him, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. No one who habitually sins has seen him or knows him or, or known him. That's a big call. Does it? I mean, well, I, I didn't make this stuff up. Like we're, we're, you know, but it's like, okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's back in this camp where Gaz is going, who is he talking about when he said, you did all these things in my name, but I didn't know you. We're back in that camp and he's going, if sin is ruling your life, I'm at risk of being in that camp. It's like, oh, not because I'm going to get judged for my sins, but because, oh, fellowship with him produces something. Yeah. I know we're on the edge here, folks. I know. I know. Little children, believers, dear ones, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who practices righteousness, the one who strives to live a consistently honorable life in private as well as in public and to form to God's precepts is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin, separating himself from God and offending him by acts of disobedience, indifference, or, rebell or rebellion is of the devil. Oof. Oof. And takes his inner character and moral values from him, not God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. Oof. Like, does a heavy little couple of... Does a heavy little couple of... Uh, you know, it's like if you've got righteousness in your life, it's because of him. And if you have unrighteousness in your life, it's because of a whole different him. There is a ruling presence producing a flow. What am I fellowshipping with? Because the pursuit of God results in righteousness. And it's okay to want a righteous life. You know, I think in this departure from the church, from like religion, and that's a good thing. Like we don't want to just like, you know, I grew up in a, in a church that focused a lot on sanctification. We were a holiness doctor in church. I didn't go to the movies. I didn't dance. I didn't drink. We still had fun, people. <laughs> but it was like set your life apart for God. It's like that's an unpopular message. You know, and we've thrown that out and gone, hey, you can't do it just by being a good kid, Brad. And, and I did. I had to encounter something deeper than that. But now I feel like it's almost like time to return to it in my own life. Like, well, well, wouldn't I let go of so that Christ could rule in my life? What am I fellowshipping with that's creating things that I don't want to let go of because I don't want to? Anyway... You know, I think it's, a, it's an interesting thing to see these pieces in our life as a fellowship with God or otherwise. No one who is born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. Because God's seed, his principle of life, the essence of his righteous character remains permanently in him who is born again, who is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. And he who is born again cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin because he's born of God and longs to please him. That's good news. That's, a good, that's good news. Like when we just need to restore that expectation that I've found one who I desire to please. I've found one. You know, like, okay, let's put this in terms, okay? I've committed my life to Leela. 
So I'm not on the market. There's no opportunities, I'm sorry. James, as much as you've tried, there's a no, mate. I'm just saying, like, you know, I don't go out on the weekends and find someone to have an affair with. Like, that's the reality. That's righteous, you know? But it doesn't come because I'm scared of Leela. I love Leela. I love Leela. I don't want to do what would hurt her or harm the bond that we share. And out of passion, I protect what I've been given in my relationship with Leela, a covenant relationship. I protect it because I love her, because I value her, because I'm invested in this, because I'm pursuing this. And so I'm not out there shagging up with whoever comes along. That's the truth, people. I was, it's the truth, and it's good news, isn't it? But, 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 now, but now imagine this, you know, like it's like, okay, with Jesus, I'm in a covenant relationship, and I'm coming to love him. Now, we have hammered down on the fear-filled gospel that says, don't do this or that or the other thing, but what does it look like to pursue righteousness in this covenant relationship that goes, I don't want to do anything that would hurt you, Father. I don't want to do anything that would cost your kingdom. I don't want to do anything that would detract from the life in which you've called your people. Like just a passion rising for that out of a loving commitment of one whom we live for. Not like, a, I'm going to do the right thing because I'm married and I'm scared of what would happen if I didn't. No, out of a love. Out of a love for God that we would commit our life to him and pursue righteousness in him out of something that's growing and pleasing to him that, oh, that my life would please you, that it would bring joy to you, that this existence that I have would, it would, would emanate the things of you. It's like, oh, let righteousness take hold. Anyway. By this, the children of God, sorry, we're taking a long time to get through this verse. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are clearly identified. Anyone who does not practice righteousness, who does not seek God's will in thought, action, and purpose is not of God. Nor is there one who does not unselfishly love his unbelieving brother. He's just characterizing this path of righteousness to go, when you pursue God, when you come to know God, you, you're called to pursue righteousness. You're called to pursue a life in him and he'll accomplish it. He'll accomplish it. You know, I'm not going to read it because we really just need to come to a point of chatting about things. But in, in Romans chapter 10, you know, this is where it says that, you know, um, our righteousness isn't based on our works. It's based on faith. I'm, I'm going to read it. I'm just going to read it. Romans 10, verse 1 to 4. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have a certain enthusiasm for God, but not in accordance with correct, vital knowledge about him and his purposes. For not knowing about God's righteousness, which is based on faith, and seeking to establish their own righteousness based on works, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law. It leads to him, and its purpose is fulfilled in him for granting righteousness to everyone who believes in him as Savior." Your faith-filled following produces righteousness. Not your effort to be good or do good or look good or present well. Your faith-filled trust in knowing God, responding to him, prioritizing his response. You know what? When Leela and I get into an argument, I go back to Jesus. Jesus, please help me. Help me. This is not just, no. 
to what's going on. I need to see. I need to know. I need what you have. Show me your ways. Show me your life. Show me your truth. You know, when, when I find myself like, yeah, anyway, yeah, it's, it's, this is, this is a, a faith in him, a trust to go, Jesus, you know how to act. You know how to live. You'll reveal. You'll correct. You'll heal. You know, and, and to go, you know, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, this sanctifying work, this holy set apart, this righteousness of Christ, this I no longer live, but Christ lives in me journey. This is going to take a life, but faith in him puts on notice everything other than the life of Christ. Trusting him, relating to him, not trying to be good, not trying to be a better husband, not trying to do right, not trying to love more, not just like effort on the behavior front, but effort on the faith-filled relating front will produce righteousness. And in your faith-filled following of Jesus Christ, pursue righteousness. God, we're coming for your kingdom and your righteousness that the character, that the ways, that the morals, that the life you would live will be there. And honestly, I think the only way we fulfill the path is by pursuing that. Not just the kingdom, the stuff he has to offer, the environment he produces, but also the internal world, the character, the morals, the responses. And I feel like this is exactly what you're sharing this morning. Gaz is, is a lifelong journey of pursuing the righteousness of Jesus Christ that plays out in us by faith in him, not by trying to accomplish something outside of that. And so, all right. Well, uh, we'll pause that there, but it's like, hey, you know, this is a, I, I know we're right on the edge of, oh, shoot, we're talking sin, the devil, condemnation, you know, but it's like, let's not be afraid of using the word righteousness. Let's not be afraid of desiring it. Jesus, that your righteousness would be alive in my life, that I would know how to treat people, that I would know how to respond, that I would know how to live, that I would know how to spend my time and what to choose. Like there's no area of life this doesn't touch. It's practical, it's tangible, and it's fruitful. Yeah, all right, enough on that. Let's jump into some groups, maybe like fives, fives, if we can. And uh, and let, let's let's talk about this idea of, a desire rising for righteousness. This, this idea of, of a, let's, let's hold Gaz's life up, this 40-year this life of transformation, and go like, well, where is it for me? And what does it look like in our own life to desire after righteousness? And what comes against that? Where's the wrestle there? You know, let's push to the, let's push to the edges of what's real in this, because, I mean, it sounds nice. But, you know, let's be honest. Just stuff, Right? Homies, there's stuff. There's stuff that's getting put on notice in this process. So, yeah, no shame. It's not a shame-filled message. This is a hope-filled message of a pursuit for righteousness. We all need this. We all need this, you know? Like, that's okay. That's all right, you know? We're not, yeah, anyway, we got the idea. Fives, let's break into it. 